Amen. Great worship again tonight. Exodus chapter 13. We move from the early chapters of Exodus where we talk about the bondage of the Israelites and the deliverance that God brings to now this section of Exodus where they begin a journey. They are now a freed people. And God wants to remind them as well as us that there are responsibilities of a freed people. You and I have responsibilities, not just privileges, but responsibilities because we have been set free. And so did the Israelites. So over the next couple of weeks, and then even sort of turning into the new year and starting out the new year, we're going to be reminded of those responsibilities. And they're the same for us today. Four main responsibilities for freed people. Acknowledging the Lord, following the Lord, trusting the Lord, and praising the Lord. I'll repeat those, but you'll get them each week. Responsibilities for a freed people. Acknowledging the Lord, following the Lord, trusting the Lord, and praising the Lord. This evening, we're going to take the first two. Acknowledging the Lord and following the Lord. So notice with me, After 430 years, the Israelites leave the land of Egypt. And in verse 1 of chapter 13, the Lord spoke to Moses. Again, this phrase that we have seen over and over and over again. Moses never had to try to figure out how to lead God's people. God gave him clear, continual direction. And God will do the same thing with us today. Aren't you glad that God speaks? Where would we be if we did not have a God who spoke? His word is our very life and light. It is by his word that everything in the universe came about. And so we are to be very thankful that we know a God who speaks to us. A verse that I share with you many, many times is from John chapter 10, where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And we're going to talk about that tonight, acknowledging the Lord and following the Lord. But You and I have to be dialed in to the voice of God. We have to be listening for it. We we have to learn through our walk with him how to recognize the voice of God, how to keep all the other voices that are in our lives at bay and be able to hear the voice of God above all other voices. 
the Lord spoke to Moses. And what did he say? Verse 2. Set apart, consecrate, dedicate to, the, to me every firstborn male. In a sense, the firsts of every womb among the Israelites, whether human or animal. It is mine. They belong to me. God here wants to establish with his now freed people this understanding that everything they have comes from him. Therefore, they should be willing to acknowledge that and thereby offer him back their firsts, not their seconds, not their thirds, not their leftovers, but their firsts. God is to get the first fruits, the firstborn, the first of anything. Not that it's all not God's, it is. But when God's people offer back to him our firsts, we're acknowledging, God, we, we get it. It all comes from you. And I would have nothing and be nothing without you. Therefore, Lord, you get my very best. Now, the firstborn was obviously very significant to God. Even culturally, it was significant to the Egyptians. It was significant to the Israelites. Many nations have always had a value on the firstborn. And what God is also reminding them of here is that firstborns had to be sacrificed in order for them to be delivered. And he's also beginning to, to sort of sew into the fabric, if you will, of his people the idea that one day his firstborn son is going to come and going to be our Passover lamb that we talked about last week. So, firstborn is not just an order of birth. The idea of firstborn is one that is before all, of priority, of excellence. Again, it's the best. God gave his firstborn son the very best that he had to us. He withheld not his best. He gave us his very best in Jesus, his son, and therefore he wants his people to do the same to him. Acknowledging him, because that's one of the responsibilities of a freed people, is acknowledging the Lord in all that we do. Verse 3, Moses said to the people, remember, the word remember means to mark, to mention this day on which you came out from Egypt, from the place where you were enslaved. For it is the Lord who brought you out of there with a mighty hand. It was his power, his strength, not theirs, that delivered them from Egypt. And God wants us to mark, be mindful remember and even mention and pass on his great acts. He wants us to never forget where we came from and what we came out of. 
And certainly he wanted that for his own people, the Israelites, but he wants that for us today. We have been delivered from the power and the kingdom of darkness, and we have been brought into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus, whom he loves. And we must never forget our own deliverance from the bondage of sin, from the penalty of sin. And even now, being delivered from the power of sin, and one day we will all be delivered through Christ from the very presence of sin when we go to heaven. Mark it down. Be mindful of it. And remember, it was not by our hand, but by his mighty hand. I hope that will encourage you tonight, because at the beginning of our worship, I said I wanted us tonight, as we worshiped God, to reflect upon our victories, our deliverances, our rescues, our salvations, the times that we were able to overcome. But maybe you're right now in a season where that's not the case. Something's still got a hold on you, and it's dragging you down in this season. I want you to be encouraged it will be God's mighty hand, his power and strength that delivers you one day. It's ultimately him that does it. All of us have had our struggles through life, and when we are able to overcome them, it's because of him. It's because of him. And he can do it. We just have to trust and believe and not give up and just keep following it. 430 years is a long time, but God finally delivered his people. And God will deliver you. Be encouraged by that. When the Lord, verse 5, brings you to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites which he swore or promised to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, then you will keep this ceremony in this month. This verse reminds us, first of all, God keeps his promises. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. He's dependable. He's faithful. And notice, God brought them out of Egypt to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. Make note of that. God brings his people always out of bondage that he might bring us into blessing. That is always the case with God. And that's what's so tragic about the Israelites not believing that that's truly what God's heart was for them. Because they didn't believe that. That's why they were murmuring and complaining all the time because they kept saying things as we're going to see in the coming chapter, like, well, we should have just stayed in Egypt. No. God always will deliver us from whatever has got a hold of us in order to bring us to something better and to bless us. That was true in the Exodus. That's true in our lives, too. We might not even see it at the time because it's a path, it's a process. But that's the hope God wants 
us to have every day is that he's not leading me from something and then to something that's worse. He's leading us always to something better, to his best, to a place of blessing. And oh, how tragic that the Israelites of this generation did not truly believe that. Notice that they were to keep, verse 5. It means to worship by observing or acknowledging. It's one of the ways we do worship God, is by acknowledging him. By pausing and saying, oh, wait a minute. I'm where I am because of you, God. I, I, I was able to do that because of you. I have what I have because of you. That's worship. Continually acknowledging God in our lives, his protection, his provision, his power, whatever it is. A life of worship is learning to just constantly and continually acknowledge that it's him. He's behind it all. For seven days, verse 6, you must eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day there is to be a festival to the Lord, a coming together of God's people to celebrate him. Again, that's always been God's heart, that his people not just worship him individually or personally, that's very important, but that we worship him in community, corporately, and that we come together, and when we come together, we come to celebrate him, to celebrate the victories that we have through him. And even in faith to celebrate the victories that are yet to come because we know he will deliver. And then I love this, verse 8. Part of acknowledging God in worship is also, verse 8, you are to tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Not us. We all have a story to tell, a personal testimony, and it is powerful. And God wants us to acknowledge him by sharing our personal testimony, not just with our children, not just with our grandchildren, but anyone that we have opportunity to. We are to share what God has done for us. And every last one of us has a story An old hymn I used to sing back when I was a child is, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Story. In fact, Paul tells the Corinthians, Jesus is writing a story through your life right now. Every last one of us is a book that Jesus is writing. We have a story to tell. Now, the devil doesn't want you to tell it. He wants you and I to keep silent. But we need to tell our story. Notice verse 14, the same principle. In the future, when your son asks you, what is this? You are to tell him. With a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the land of slavery. Tell your story. Acknowledging the Lord. Verse 9, it will be a sign for you on your hand and a memorial on your forehead so that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For again, with a mighty hand, his power and strength, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. So you must keep 
worship by observing and acknowledging this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. Well, we started out with the whole firstborn and even the concept of first fruits, offering back to God our best. And before we move on to following the Lord in this last part of the chapter tonight, I want you to note verse 15. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to release us, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of the people to the firstborn of animals. That is why I am sacrificing to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb, but all my firstborn sons I redeem. What, what's Moses saying? The children would be offered, but not literally sacrificed. That's what the word redeemed means. To offer to God, but not to actually be sacrificed. Think back with me to the first book of the Bible. Where does an illustration of that take place? Abraham and Isaac, his firstborn. God just wanted to see, are you willing to give me what's most precious to you? I'm not going to actually take it from you because all I have to see is your heart. I just want you to know that you are willing to give me what's most precious to you. And God, most of the time, that's where he lands. It's not actually taking it from us. It's just seeing in our heart that we are willing to give God our very best and our first fruits, our firstborn, and what is most precious to us. I think about Hannah. After God answered her prayer and she had Samuel and she went back and she said, Lord, he's yours. That's the whole idea of of taking our children and giving them back to the Lord because they are gifts from him and he gave them to us, so now we give them back to him. It's exactly what Joseph and Mary were doing when they brought Jesus into the temple that day. They were offering their firstborn back to God, saying, he's yours. God, most of the time, just wants to see, are we willing to offer him everything and not withhold anything from him? That's acknowledging the Lord. Verse 16 is just one of those references where you've seen Orthodox Jews wearing phylacteries, those boxes on their heads with rolls of Scripture rolled up there. That's one of the verses in the Old Testament where that comes from. It will be for you a sign on your hand and frontlets on your forehead. For with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. It, it's a way for them to physically say, we are keeping the Lord and his word and what he's done for us. Literally, right there. Right there. So in the first 16 verses, God is laying out the responsibilities of a freed people. And the very first one is acknowledging him. In all that we do, for all that we are, and all that we have. 
And a lot of this comes back to firsts, giving him our best. But then another responsibility of freed people is following the Lord. And I want you to see these three principles from verse 17 through verse 22. First, God plans the route for his people. God plans the route for his people. First principle in following the Lord. It's not our path. It is the path that God has laid out in front of us, and we are to find that path and follow him on that path. Notice, too, when Pharaoh released the people, God did not lead them by way, by the way, to the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. First thing I want to say, God did not take his people down the shortest route. We need to remember that. Very, very few times will God take the straightest shot. He always takes his people around a longer way. Yeah. We got we to get used to that if we're going to follow the Lord. Because just like here, he has a purpose for why he is leading us the long way around rather than the short way. You know, he's pretty smart. God, very wise. He knows best. Notice what God says. Here's why. Lest the people change their minds and return to Egypt when they experience war. God is saying, look, if I take you the shorter route, it's going to bring you into military conflict with the Philistines, and you aren't ready for that yet. You've been slaves in Egypt for 430 years. And yes, you now have some Egyptian weapons and stuff. You have no, no training, nothing. I'm going to get you there. One day you're going to be a mighty fighting force, but you're not ready yet. See, God knows when we're ready for something to tackle something and when we're not. So God will not lead us down a path when he knows we're not ready for that yet. We need more time, more training, more experience, more this or that. And you could say, well, based upon what we've already studied and read in the book of Exodus, why didn't God just fight the battle for him and take him through the shortest route and go, by the way, guys, I'm going to destroy the Philistines. Boom, there they go. Now go. Because God wants to teach us that we can do so many things and, and so, yes, he could do it, but he wants us as part of following him to learn what we can do through him. And we'll never learn it if we just sit back with our hands crossed and say, well, God, why aren't you doing all this? No, it's a partnership. And God wants his people to follow him so that we can begin to see what he can accomplish through us. Not just what he can do, but what he can do through flesh and blood. That's the value of following God. Well, of course God can do it. God could have defeated the Philistines without 
the Israelites at all, but that's not helping them. That's not growing them, strengthening them. They need to learn, in a sense, to fight, but they're not ready yet. So he takes them down the longer way. So God brought the people, verse 18, by the way of the desert to the Red Sea. We're going to see another thing like, oh, man, why is God doing that? In fact, next week we're going to see militarily, that was the worst move, right? You're leading a people to a place on the map that it looks like there's no escape. They've got an ocean behind them. And next week, we're going to see Pharaoh changes his mind, and he begins to chase after him. They've got no way out, right? Oh, no, he's our way maker. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. The things that sometimes seem very wonky about God's leading to us, God has a perfectly good reason why. But as he said through the prophet Isaiah, my ways aren't your ways. If you chose the route, you would have chosen a much different route, but I'm God. I know the best way. Follow me. God plans the route for his people. So the Israelites went up from the land of Egypt, prepared for battle. An interesting phrase, considering the fact that the whole reason God led them around the area of the Philistines was because they weren't ready for battle. So i got to be honest, I struggled with that phrase. And then I realized there's another way to translate that phrase, and that is in an orderly fashion, like an army. And I think that that's God's intent, that they were marching, if you will, or walking along this path that he had planned in an orderly fashion. Verse 19. Not only should we follow God because God plans the route for his people, but we should follow God because he encourages his people's faith. God, along the path that he chooses for us, will encourage his people's faith. Verse 19. The move forward does not commence without a look backward to Joseph and the bones of Joseph. That that Joseph said, I want you to bury me here, but when you leave here, not if you leave here, when you leave here, take my bones with you. So the very fact that these bones of Joseph are not coming out of Egypt, are not only reminding the Israelites of the faithfulness of God, they're also reminding the Israelites of the faith of Joseph that he had in the promises of God. And they're like this visible encouragement and strength to his people that they sat there for hundreds of years in Egypt, but Joseph was sure that this day would come. And here Joseph now has been dead for hundreds of years, and yet guess what? He's still inspiring people even way after he died because of the way he lived and the legacy that he left. God wants us to realize the same thing. It's not how long we live on this earth that really matters. It's what we do with the life that we've got. And it's what kind of spiritual legacy we are leaving behind. 
and especially the faith. Hebrews 11, the faith that we live by, that absolute confidence and trust in Almighty God, no matter what it looks like, that's Joseph. And now they have his bones, and those bones are encouraging the people of God. One final thing concerning following the Lord, and that is in verses 20 through 22, God goes before his people to lead the way. God not only plans the route, God goes before his people to lead the way. I love two phrases out of verse 21. The Lord was going before them to give them light. I love that. The Lord was going before them. God is already there. God will always go before his people. He prepares our way. He's out in front. So we never have to fear what's out in front of us because God's already there. That's why as a follower of God, we don't have to fear the future. God's already in the future. He's already in our future. He knows what's going to happen before it happens, and he's going to be with us. He's got us. So we just need to continue to follow him, and along the way, he will always give his people light so that they could travel notice by day or by night. God had them at night or day. They always had his light. I couldn't help but think, sort of coming full circle, back to God speaking in his word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God gives his people light. And then I love this, verse 22. He did not remove the light, the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. In other words, Jehovah was his people's constant companion. His presence was always with them day and night. Wow. Again, then, how tragic that they missed out going into the promised land and had to wander around for 40 years simply because they didn't believe that God delivered them from bondage in order to bless them. By the way, God had already set a precedent, even in this book, the book of Exodus, about manifesting himself in this way. Burning bush. He appeared as fire in a bush. So he was establishing even then with Moses, this is the way I can manifest my presence. So that is why, for Moses especially, this was not a great departure. He had already seen God manifesting himself as a burning bush, and now he is a cloud and a pillar of fire. Today, God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is our constant companion, and he will always give us light along the path as we follow him.
Being freed is a great privilege and a great blessing. But being freed is also a great responsibility. And God wanted to make sure that his freed people realized that you're not only blessed and you not only have privileges, but as my freed people, you have responsibilities. And the two we've looked at tonight are acknowledging the Lord and following the Lord. Next week, our last Wednesday of the year, we will look at trusting the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight for the time of worship that we've had. God, these songs, the words of these songs, they resonated with us tonight. They moved us, God. They were meaningful. Just engaging in, with your presence, God, is an amazing experience that we get to enjoy every day of our lives if we want to. That we get the privilege of coming into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. A privilege that in the Old Testament was reserved for one person once a year, the high priest on the Day of Atonement. He was the only one that could enter into the Holy of Holies. And yet every last one of us here tonight who knows the Lord Jesus as our Savior, we get to enter your Holy of Holies any moment we want to and be in your presence, God. What an amazing privilege. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that we might be a growing people that not only wants to acknowledge you in all that we are and all that we do and acknowledge you continually in our lives, but that we will be a people that follows you, letting you plan the route. And as you do so, Lord, knowing that you will encourage us along the way and that you will go before us and give us the light that we need along our path. You are our ever constant companion. And we thank you, God, for that. Would you take those of us who are here tonight home safely, and would you, Lord, take those who are viewing from their homes tonight, Lord, would you give them a great rest of this day and help us all, Lord, to just rest in you as we lay our head on that pillow tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here. God bless. We'll see you next week.